Welcome to Life After Business, the podcast where your host, Ryan Tansom, brings you all the information you need to exit your company and explore what life can be like on the other side. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Life After Business podcast. This is episode 151, and today the episode has got to be one of my favorites, and I know I've done a lot of them, and every episode has got different variations of why I think that they're a blast or they're the best, but today is an unusually long episode because I have a guest named Steve Harlemert on the show who has an amazing journey that he shares with us. And I absolutely wanted to capture all of it and hearing the ups and downs and twists and turns. And then the actual unbelievable, authentic emotion that Steve was sharing about what it was like to exit his business, honestly was one of the best on the show, I think. And just to give you a little bit of a glimpse into what actually happened and some of the highlights that you should be able to look forward to into the episode, Steve was left the business with 50-50 partnerships with his sister after his dad passed away when he was 24. And he had to untangle and figure out how to buy out his sister, grow the business, and he explains all the motion behind what it was like during that phase. But then they went into a super growth mode, acquired a firm, and then they ended up selling their company to an ESOP after saying no to a huge offer. And then after that ESOP, they ended up selling to a private equity firm only two and a half years later to give the average employee $110,000. And there was 180 employees that received that money when they sold. Not only does Steve explain all the ins and outs, all those different exits and the different potential options to sell, but he was really candid about how much of a struggle it's been after he sold and has not been able to find the leadership and the purpose and the passion since he sold, even though he has generational wealth post-closing. I know this is a long episode, so you might have to chunk it up a little bit between a couple runs or car rides or cleaning the house or lawn mowing, whatever it is that you're doing while you're listening to these shows, because there's so many gold nuggets from Steve and his story, because you're hearing different exit options, how he struggled with leadership, how he struggled with making different decisions as they were deciding to sell, even though they just did an ESOP a couple years later. I mean, there's just tons of material in here. And I just really hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did from all the things that I learned from Steve and getting to know him and his story. So without further ado, here's my episode with Steve Harlemert. This episode of Life After Business is sponsored by GEXP Collaborative. Their proven process gives you clarity on all of your exit options and how those options impact your financial success, timing, and future happiness. Sell your company on your time frame to the buyer of your choice at the price you want. Steve, how are you doing? I'm good, Ryan. How are you? Doing good. I'm excited to have you on the show. We have a mutual friend and a gentleman that I'm going to be doing a lot of closer work with named Pat Hobby. And I was sitting next to him in my value growth uh, course. And this is back last year. And he starts telling me about this story. <laughs> and you're, you happen to be the main character of that story. So I'm excited to hear it from the horse's mouth. Uh-oh. Yeah, right. And we can call all which, this. Which, sto- which story is this here, Ryan? I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, he knows a lot about me. I'm <laughs> He's the one that's got all the dirt, right? Yeah, he sure does. Well, I'm just, I'm just honestly super pumped because you guys, I mean, there's a lot of different color along the journey that led you to kind of what you are doing today. And you know, let's just maybe, you know, for the listeners, start back. And I think this will usually ask this question. Steve, and I think you're going to have a completely different answer because I usually say, hey, like, 
Why did you become an entrepreneur? Was it an accident? And I think you've kind of got both of those. So, you know, maybe for the listeners, I can say like, you know, how did you jump in or what was the event that happened that led you to be becoming an entrepreneur? Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Um, yeah, with me, it it happened really, my dad died unexpectedly. So he died of a heart attack and, uh, it was on October 13th of 1994. So I was 24 years old. I was, I started working for the family business and it was my dad's business. I started working at 18 and, uh, worked through college and then um, it was about a year and a half out of college, and I was working full-time at that point, and he died of a heart attack, just gone. And, um, you know, the, we're like, what do we do? And then uh, my sister is four years older than me, and she was in the business as well. And here we are, you know, like a, a day later, they say, well, you know, I'm very sorry about this. this is the attorneys, and he had a, a, a group of advisors, and they said, well, you two are, you know, 50% owners of the company. I'm like, what? I mean, we didn't even know. Oh, we really? had no idea. Yeah. You know, no, and my dad was 50, you know, so most, you oh, know, yeah. you, don't, you don't think that I'm just going to die at 50. I mean, I'm almost, I'll be 49 in three days, you know, so I think, mm-hmm. gosh, my dad died, you know, when he was 50. So really it was, uh, I was in the business. I wasn't even fully sure that that's what I wanted to do as a career. You know, it was just yeah. the job, it was the family business, even though it was kind of inherent ever since I was probably born, really, that you're going to be in the family business. But, you know, my dad also was like, if I'm not happy, you know, go work somewhere else or yeah. do something that, that's going to make you happy, you know. So it really was pretty, I don't unexpected, reluctant. Yeah. Is that the right yeah. word? Or yeah. Unexpected. There you go. So what that's was what the, got me into it. What was the, and what was the business, Steve? Yeah, we were a, there was different aspects of, of the same theme. We were in the grocery business and what we did is primarily we were a food broker. So food broker, what they do is, is they work off a commission and in some, some industries they call them manufacturers reps, you know, where they get paid Mm -hmm. a commission for don't take possession of the product of, of a brand or what have you, but they'll sell a brand for, you know, brand owner X. Mm-hmm. And whoever they sell it to, they make commission off of it. So we were a food broker predominantly, but we also imported products where we actually did take possession. We had our, we had our own warehouse, and then we also imported product for you know as well that was under different brands. And mm-hmm. so it was kind of we did different services under that. We did in-store services at grocery stores. So uh, so some of it was commission based. Some of it was you know the distribution, you know, buying and selling a product. So yeah. what in the heck did you do? Like the, the day that your dad died and like you, you and your sister are now 50% owners, like, and you've got this business that I'm just, you know, you, you were able to rip that off pretty, you know, like it, you probably could have done that in their sleep hundreds and hundreds of times. But back then, like, were you just gearing the headlights? I mean, what was your, what were your options? What was like, what was going through your head and how did you, how did you take the bull by the horns? Yeah, uh, boy, those were, you know, it's, it's funny, uh, this many years later, it's 25 years later, 25 years later, you look back at those times, like, like, gosh, those were great times. But then, you know, when you're living them, it's like, gosh, this is terrible, <laughs> you know, because you're, yeah. you know, you're faced with all this grief. And then, then you have these business people that I really, I, I knew peripherally just because they were friends of my dad. I didn't know anything about it, anything inner inner workings. And so, 
there was a lot of uncertainty. I mean, I didn't know if I wanted, to, like I said, if I didn't, I didn't even know if I wanted to work there, let alone be a manager or be an owner or running the thing, you know? So I didn't, I didn't even know all that. Just, but the options were really, my dad had a, what they called it, like a, like an advice, I would call it like an advisory board. Mm-hmm. So he had four, four people that were on that, that board and they were his friends, but they were business people. Uh, I think one was an attorney, you know, one was a business owner, another one was in the food business and one was my stepmom who was a business person as well. And they, they were there and they really, in the beginning provided a lot of the stability and leadership for us because we had no idea what we were doing. And, um, the way our situation was, it was our shares were held in trust. So I was 24, my sister was 28, and we, we really didn't have access or ability to sell our shares or do whatever, or do anything with our shares until we were 30. They were held in trust. So uh-huh. it was kind of a weird situation, you know, and there was no clear heir apparent to my dad. He didn't have this succession plan, you know, written out. I mean, I was a succession plan, but that was... 10 years later, you know what I mean? Or whatever, <laughs> whenever he was 15 years later, whenever he was ready to go, it wasn't, and I didn't even know that. I sort of knew it, but I didn't, didn't I'm not one of these people. <laughs> he, he didn't talk about it. He it was kind of understood, but it, 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 I don't know. It just wasn't, it just wasn't discussed. Although you kind of knew that that's what it was. And, you know, so the options were laid out to, to my sister, Debbie and I, you know, Hey, what do you want to do? We can look for someone inside, but there's really no candidates to run it. We can hire an outside CEO. Okay. That's, okay. Mm-hmm. And then, or we can create, you know, sell to an ESOP, create an ESOP. Okay. Or we can just sell it outright, you know, so what, what or, but you know, that, those were those, but, but the last choice was, or one of you can run it. You know, that was like way behind and I agreed it. And I was 24 years old and my sister was, 28 years old, neither one of us were prepared for, you know, for that. I mean, we certainly didn't have the experience or, or probably the stomach for it at the time. And, uh, so really those were kind of laid out and I didn't really like any of those. And I, I just, my sister and I are polar opposites. She kind of, she struggled a lot, you know, and, and she went in a different direction and, and really, she just went in a different direction. And me, I just kind of lived there. I just decided, you know what? I got nothing else to lose. Mm -hmm. You know, I got an opportunity that most people never get. Still didn't have any money. It's not like I had this huge job. I mean, I had an entry level job pretty much (laughs) pay wise anyway. And, you know, so, but I had an opportunity that most people recognize would never get in their lifetime. And while I didn't know anything about anything or very little, I just figured I'm going to go for it. You know? I mean, this is, I'm going to, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to do this and let's see where it goes. You know I mean? And just talk to as many people as I can, just get out there and learn and, you know, and you got to make a lot of mistakes like I did, but I don't know. It's just, I didn't, I didn't have a family at the time. I wasn't tied down, you know? Yeah. And I just can't, I can't even imagine. Cause I like, I think about the, the shit storm that I jumped into <laughs> the family business, but at least we were getting hit from all sides together. And like, you know, what, I mean, what, what was the size of the company at that time? And then who did you turn to? And what was like, where did you even like get your head up and go, okay, this is like the first step that I'm going to take. Yeah, I had, um, 
well, the size of the business we had, we had, I think we had about 50 employees at the time. And, um, so, you know, there were, there were managers that were in place there in the business and, and that I knew well, and they were, I would say everybody that was there inside the business pulled together, That's pretty cool. which was good. Yeah. Because I hear, I hear horror stories, you know, that, Hey, some, some of them in some businesses, they may have tried to cut me out or, you know what I mean? Or not or include me or crazy play drama, games or right. Oh yeah. And I look back and I'm like, you know what? Everybody just pulled together. And I, I think that was out of the spirit and out of respect for my dad, you know, cool. yeah, um, cool. cause I had to, I had to earn mine. I, I hope I did over the years, but, but you know, that was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I hope, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think we'll do, we'll get to the end of this story and I think everybody will agree that I'm assuming you did. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Anyway, I hate talking about myself, Ryan. I mean, I, I'll do it and then I just kind of stop because I just can't, I don't know. Sometimes I get a little, I get a little superstitious or a little, I don't know. I, it's, well, it was, not, it's the whole, I'm not going some wood for you. The whole thing. <laughs> Uh, what's that? I knocked on some wood for you. There you go. <laughs> okay. There you go. So, uh, really, you know, there was, there was just a lot of people around that was, that were there, I think out of honor and of my dad to help mentor me. So there were folks with, uh, and what our business did is we sold primarily, we worked with Kroger. So Kroger nationwide, um, you know, largest grocery chain in the, in the, in the country. And, and they and they're based out of Cincinnati, so we were in Dayton, and so there was a lot of people there that helped me, you know, oh, guide cool, me. Hey, you, cool. this this is where you're going. This is I uh, stay away from there, or hey, you're screwing up here, you know. And 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 I never took offense to that. I didn't always like what they said because sometimes, you, but I needed to hear it. And um, as long as you're willing to, one, you know, I I don't have all the right ideas. I didn't then, and I certainly don't now. And, um, so I just had a lot of, a lot of folks that were looking after me. I think my, in a strange way, my dad was, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, but my sister and I, like I said, we were two opposite ends of all that. Did she just kind of chose not to really be in. Yeah. She, she worked, her and I, I guess we're technically partners or full partners, if you will, for three years after our dad died. And, and then she just took a leave of absence. I mean, she, it was too much for her. And then I'm, and I wished her, Hey, go, you know, go, go, you know, kind of settle your mind, you know, go do mm -hmm. what you need to do. And I thought that was going to be the right, <laughs> the right thing because her and I were not getting along. She was in and out of the business and, and I was, I was there and, you know, and then I did a lot of travel and a lot of things um, to try to, Try to again. Try to learn. Try to get to meet people. Try to see what's going on. Try to lead. And um, so anyway, she took a leave of absence. And while that was great for a while, she was still the same. <laughs> there was still the same animosity between yeah. the two of us. And and then it was you know this and that and all that and wanting you know at, at the time more than than me you know, in terms of just a salary or just a, anything like that. And I was really restricted from anything. And it was some of these decisions that needed to be made, but she would, you know, she was not close enough to the business to know that they were good decisions or not, but she was, it just was, it wrecked havoc on it. So finally I told her, I said, this is not working. And one of us needs to go. 
and it just has to be, you know, or, or the business has no chance. And even if one of us goes, it doesn't necessarily mean the business is going to, going to continue or grow, you know, but so about, uh, I ended up buying her out in January of 99. So a little over four years after my dad died. So then it was just me after that. Did you, um, did you guys, like, how did you guys come to a valuation? And, and because I just find it so difficult when you have like a family estate plan and people, you know, I, there's so many times, Steve, where I, I, you know, I'll talk to, you know, family owners and like, there's this whole complexity of the business plus a family estate and having illiquidity and just, all, there's just so much drama that can, <laughs> that can be it, just, it is. <laughs> just thrown into a bucket. I mean, is there, was, did you guys just, you know, use an attorney to come up to some sort of form of financing and then you just said, okay, well, I'm done now I can, now I can run and grow this thing or what? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's good. And, and a lot of this, Ryan, I probably recessed in my mind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> some of it were, some of it were good memories. Some of it may not be good memories, yeah. but it, what, what happened going back before uh, me buying her out, what her, her half out was when our dad died, he had, like he had the, 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 the four folks that were his, the, the business committee or, or uh, uh, advisory committee or something. And they turned themselves into board directors, by the way, at legal Got it. board of directors, which was, which was good. They needed to for, for, you know, some of the stuff that needed to be done with the bank and, and formalities. But after a while that even turned kind of ugly because none of them worked in the business. Just so a it was a little, of, you know, they all, what do they call they that, all uh, went off and did their own thing. Yeah. Yeah. Peanut gallery. Um, so, <laughs> there you go. Peanut, yeah, and that got a little. Fr- that even got frustrating for me, and I didn't even know what I was doing. You know, but some of the other employees that were, there were, you know, the managers or you know the upper management. There were uh, three, four other folks that that actually interacted with them too. I know it frustrated them, but so at the time, our when our dad died, he had some life insurance money, you know, that came his way, or you know, to my stepmom, and that was used. But you know, the estate tax laws and all that we got we got dinged 50 percent you know so 50 percent of of the value of the business we had to pay to the irs and we didn't have the cash right. you know so so i mean it was Sorry. and we we had we had a bank you know we had a line of credit with the bank and we had a good relationship with the bank but the bank could have pulled the plug on it. and that was that was one of those early things that that group of, you know, the, the advisory board or board directors took care of is they knew the bank. It was a Midwestern bank and they're still around. They're still in existence and they do very well. And they could have pulled the plug and said, you know what, we're done. John's, John's gone. And, you know, give us our money back. You know what I mean? You got to pay this note off. You got to pay the line off all that. They didn't. So they actually allowed us to borrow that money. And at the time it was, it was like, a million, it was just shy of a million dollars. Yeah. And that we owed the IRS and it was like, all right, you know, we don't have that money, but Hey, at least we got a loan from the bank and, and then we can, we can move forward. And so, so really we got kind of lucky, you know, well, and technically you bought two people out of the business. You bought out the IRS <laughs> and your sister. <laughs> like, You're how right. fair is that? <laughs> Where's the other extra percent for Steve? <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I, yeah. And, and that was one of those things again, I was young, didn't really worry about any of that stuff because, you know, I lived in a 900 square foot home. You know what I mean? I mean, I had a car, you know I mean? I didn't, I was happy. I was 24 years old, um, except for losing my dad, you know, yeah. that sucked really bad. But I mean, so, so really, so we, yeah, you had the IRS, we had to pay that off. 
And then when we valued the business for when I bought my sister out, what we did is we took, you know, we took three, did three different independent valuations, you know, none of the, none of the accounting firms that we used, you know, on a day, Mm -hmm. on a day-to-day basis and took three. And then we, we did an average and they each had discounted because we were one customer dependent. Mm -hmm. So I, I can't remember the numbers of, you know, the discount 20% or 30, I don't even know, you know, but they discounted the value because of that. Mm-hmm. And then that's how we came up with a, with a fair value for, for my sister. And then, and then it was uh, some upside growth for her in the first few years. So if we better than we even, you know, the projections, then she could earn a little more too, but yeah, that was pretty much, that was pretty much it. It was a lot smaller of a business then than we, than it uh, fortunately turned out to be. A couple Which, decades later. But. Well, and let's get into that. We, we can start to, to drag you through the muck again. But yeah, I was. I think it's so, you know, I think about the challenges that you went through before you got free to just grow the company. And just so many people deal with it, Steve, as far as the drama and the, the families and the different thing. I mean, it just, you know, and it's so difficult to sometimes when all you want to do is focus on the company. <laughs> and, and really, it's a whole other yeah, job and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And, you know, what, so what mm-hmm. was... What was, as you were getting your hands wrapped around, like what the business was, you know, what you guys were, where you fit in the marketplace, like what was your, what, like, as you started to crystallize the vision of the company, like kind of walk us through some of the big milestones as you were growing the business. Yeah. Well, one thing too, like you said, with family and you, obviously, you know, family business, that's where you came from is you can't leave it. It's always <laughs> there. And I mean, it's there. So, I mean, you go to, it's, you know, it's the holiday, it's Christmas or, or whatever holiday you share. Whatever. Oh, Hey, there's our, my partner that I got sick of seeing, you know, every day. And I want some patience, you know, please pass the turkey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please pass the turkey. I didn't agree with you on that decision you made the other day, but, and, and, uh, so it was very tough. Cause my family, my dad, my dad's, uh, he, he, he sprung away from his family business. So while I ultimately took over his business, his business, I'm a third generation in the food business because his, his dad started the original company and then my dad and his two brothers were there. So there were four of them. And my dad was the youngest boy. We're talking about old world Europe, Germany, family. He was never going to run that place unless if the other two brothers, something happened to him. Mm-hmm. And my dad, my dad was, he was, energetic. He was, uh, he was entrepreneurial for sure. He was a risk taker. You know, he seemed to, he was a likable person. He had the most ambition, but he wasn't going to. And, and that's when he decided to leave his family business. Well, the reason I backtrack it, it's still a history on the family business. When he did that and he talked to his dad, it wasn't like he just up and left. Mm-hmm. He was trying to talk to his dad. Hey, we, this direction we need to go to this direction. And his dad, which is my grandpa, was kind of was like semi-retired at the time, so he didn't really like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the youngest brother, you know, son. Mm-hmm. What do you know? You know, it's like okay. But um, my dad left. Well, when that happened, the last five years of my grandpa's life, I saw him once on his deathbed right before he died at the hospital. I mean, we were not allowed to come to the house. We were no, no family, no. No holidays, no family, anything, nothing, gone. My dad was not even mentioned, let alone uh, like in his will. You know, whether you get left a penny or a million dollars, usually at least list that you have a, a son gone. Wasn't he on it at all? Uh, no. Oh, my God. And 
And I'm like, you know what? This is, you know, this is not for me. I just didn't. I thought that was just kind of crappy how all that, how that worked out. So um, anyway, the family business, I always like to say, hey, I'm, it's a family business, but I'm the last one standing, you know? So, <laughs> and and we, we always, we always live that family atmosphere. I always really enjoyed that part of it where people are pulling together. Uh, everybody's trying to go, you know, hopefully in the same direction. And I was going to say, Steve, did you find it like that you, because of those different events that the business became more of your family than your actual family? <laughs> yeah. Oh, 100%. Like I said earlier, I was not married or didn't have kids or didn't have really anything that was that I had to, you know, stick in the ground. So I, I really, it became my life and I'm glad for it, you know, and, and I wouldn't have changed any of that. And so what it did, it, it it was in a strange kind of way. I was, I was like a patriarch of a family or something because the way the business was, and, you know, I knew all the employees, knew all their, you know, their something about all of them, you know, the relatives. I mean, you know, there's, there significant others or children or hobbies or whatever. And I really thought that was important. I still do in any business, mm-hmm. you know, because 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 people have a choice. They don't have to go just because they work for a company A and they don't like it doesn't mean they have to stay there, you know. So people always thought employees had a choice to go wherever they wanted to go, and if you treat them right, they're going to treat you right. They're going to work harder for a company or for someone if they enjoy what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, and these were just some of the basics that just learning by being there all the time, it just made sense. You know, and I, I it just, it well, cracks me up to this day. Some business owners that kind of treat their employees. I'm like, these are people <laughs> I, res- you know, thought right. I respected or way older than me or much more experienced than me. I'm like, what? I'm like, how? That's like, cut that, you know. You cut you that say, shit out. Like, you're, like, you're not a dictator. You're, yeah. you're, not, you're not a communist. <laughs> like, well, and it, it, it's, you and I were chatting on our, on our last call. And I, I think you and I, I wonder if there's a correlation because, I, like, you know, I, I get the drift. I get the drift that you're. You had no ego. I mean, you had to have just gone in there and said, "Everybody, I need help." And I think that was similar to what I experienced. Where, like, you know, we were under some interesting circumstances, so it was like I didn't have the choice but to like just ask for help. From I'm like, I need the smartest, awesome, coolest people sitting next to me that can smile and work hard. And so many people that are, you know, that I've seen in different areas where the, the business owner becomes a dictator and it's just like, it does, they don't understand. <laughs> like it, it's not about that. And like, how did you like explain how you rallied around these people? And then how, like, how did that contribute to your growth? Cause I mean, you had some pretty, pretty crazy growth and like, how did you approach your culture as it related to kind of what I was talking about? Yeah. Um, I, I think part of it, I mean, I always played team sports, you know, growing up and, and I've always been, well, maybe when I was real little, I was I was definitely shy, more shy than I was uh, as I got older. But I just believed in people, and in a business like what we did, um, we didn't make anything. You know, we didn't manufacture anything. We didn't have the most brilliant ideas. What we had was who we are and who are, what our word was. You know, so some just basic principles. Okay, just do what you say, and if you're not going to do it, or you can't do it, or you're not sure you can deliver on it, don't say anything. I mean, these are basic things. It's like, I, I, I can't believe some of the companies that I hear that, and, and you write about CEOs and the arrogance. And it's like, like yeah, you have to have an, an ego, but ego is different than arrogance. 
because mm-hmm. um, ego can be a good thing because sometimes that drives you, but it doesn't mean you have to have an ego to where you're, you got to be the biggest thing and everybody else is a peon. That doesn't work long-term. So I always thought long-term, look, I'm 20-something years old. I'm going to be here, hopefully, as long as the business is, I'm going to be here for hopefully the rest of my career, working career. So that's a long darn time. So, <laughs> You're right. you know, we don't need to make these quick decisions. I want to, and I didn't want to make any rash decisions, especially about something I didn't know. So I just really was, would talk to anybody. I'd call them up. Hey, can you meet for lunch? Or, hey, can I ask you a question? Or I would read a lot. And I still do this to this day, even though I'm no longer uh, working. But I think that when people, you know, looking back on it, because I, I didn't think anything differently. Mm-hmm. I didn't consciously think, okay, if I get this, I'm going to, you know, I just, that's just what happened because that's what I believed in. So I believe in people pulling together. What were you, what were you pulling everybody around? Steve? was there like a vision of like, you know, cause I, and I, and I, I'm just assuming based on like, you know, you, you got to get your head above some of the water, but then there like, was there a specific vision or a specific target or something that you were rallying everybody around? Yeah. And, and that was, and you're right. It took a, it took a few years to really figure that out because initially the vision was, gosh, I just want to survive. Let's make payroll. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, let's get everybody checked. <laughs> yeah. Let's get everybody a check. And then, and then I'll get paid. Don't worry about me. I want everybody else to pay first and then I'll take the money too. I got bills too, but um, it, you know, it was basic as that. And then, and then it turned into after a few years and really around when my sister left and that whole, cause that was just a bad relationship professionally mm-hmm. and it was not a good one for anybody. And, and that's the tough thing about family businesses too, is the, the wake that it leaves and the effect that it has on the business. And, I, and in particular, the people that aren't family members, right? Because sometimes they're caught in the middle <laughs> uh, and not un- unintentionally, sometimes intentionally, sometimes <laughs> unintentionally. <laughs> You know, I'm laughing. And that's so fair. Literally thinking about yeah. my own situations, going, "Yep, you're right." <laughs> yeah, like, hey, Bob, come here. I'm gonna talk to you. No, 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 Bob, come this way. Come this way. And all of a sudden, Bob's like, "I don't want to be in the middle of some yeah. fight between you two. You know, I just want to come in and do my job and go home. You know, prove this complaint. Wow. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, with me, after a few years, it really turned in because initially it was. It was head above water. Then it became, well, my dad's vision. Okay, so what was he doing? What did he like? What was, where was he going? And he wasn't the best at articulating. Just like I said, there was no, there's no succession plan. It was more some verbal things, you know, to some of his closest uh, advisors. But there was nothing formal. My dad was not a formal guy. And I think that's why people really liked him. He's a regular guy, you know. But, you know, try to live his spirit, I think, was kind of the initial after getting, after getting your head above water. Okay, so this is the spirit of John. You know, this is what would John do kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then after doing that for a couple of years, it really turned into, um, and after I bought my sister out, so we're talking about, you know, four or five years after my dad died, 99, 2000, the business changed. And, and also... Uh, and business always changed, but there was a major shift with within Kroger and how they went and went about business. And we had to we had to make adjustments. And then also, I had some key employees that were pushing me. And and I look back on it and I think, thank God that they did that. You know that they cared enough 
And, and one of them was Pat Hobby. We keep bringing him up. And he, around that time, he, he was pushing me, you know, and it was basically, you know, challenging me. Where do you want this business to go? Okay, we've settled, you know, it's been a few years since your dad died. What, where do you, what do you see? Where do you want to go? And, and it, you know, those, those folks that were the key, those few key employees that did that kind of grounded out of me. Cause sometimes you don't want it. You're afraid to get it out because you're, for one, you're maybe apprehensive about being right or wrong. Right. Yeah. Totally. You know, yeah, you yeah. want to be right, you know, but you know, being wrong sometimes is okay too, as long as it doesn't sink the business because you're taking risks. Yep. Yep. But, um, they really helped push guide me and all that. And then the change with Kroger happen and then it just and i was again i was into the business you know at that time i i was about 30 years old 29 30 and it just pushed me to be better and so you know i, I think it's just a culmination of those things mm-hmm. went to a lot of seminars traveled a lot to suppliers to to get to know them to conventions or shows out to see kroger in different locations i was kind of all over the place but it just, you do those sorts of things over and over again, you start to get better at them and you start to really have an, uh, uh, an eye for what you're trying to do or where there's opportunities. And really what, for us, it was, what are the opportunities? So that would create the vision or, you know, vice versa, it goes hand in hand with the vision. So, and um, I think that's, if there's a, mm-hmm. I don't know if there's one specific milestone in there, Ryan, but a culmination of things. And, um, and then I was just, I had more confidence, you know, being there a few years, running it for a few years. And then it was, all right, here's where we need to go. And here's, it's, so really it's basically how can we help our, our one customer? We're one customer dependent. That's the worst thing. Everybody keeps telling us that, but you know what? We're going to be as, we're going to be the best within that one customer than anybody, than any, we'll be better than anybody. And what we need to do and how we do that is we listen to them. We ask them, how can we help? We keep our eyes and ears open. We, again, we don't make promises we can't keep. We can't be all things to all, to all people, but what can we do and what can we do really well? So just some basic principles, really. Well, no, and I love it. And you know, the fact that you're listening and you're asking people and you're, you're, I mean, I think again, you were, you know, putting the arrogance aside and growing to according to what other people are kind of telling you. So how, I mean, you guys had some pretty significant growth in you over the years. And then I, I believe Pat had mentioned that you guys did an acquisition. So like, how does all this stuff, like, you know, was there like, you know, what was the opportunity? How did all that stuff and the growth and all that stuff tied to the, what you said, like what you saw as the opportunity, you know, cause I guess, you know, the, the context behind the question, he was like, some people are like, okay, I gotta, you know, there are very few people that are like, I'm, there's a target valuation and exit that I'm marching towards. Usually it's, top line or they're like, they want to be the leader in their industry or something like, what was the kind of the combination of the opportunity that you saw that you were marching towards? And what was some of the growth that you guys had that, that was uh, as a result of it? Yeah, we, we, we never really put together because it was a small turning into a mid-sized business. We, I, we never did that um, until the very end, the last couple of years, we'd never really put together like, okay, <laughs> I mean, we want to hit this number. It's got to be this number or else. Or so, you know, because really we were, we were rallying against ourselves. So I thought that was kind of futile, mm-hmm. but I mean, not that you don't want to have, you, you definitely want to have markers you want to hit. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but, but it was not an end all be all in terms of a, of a number top line or bottom line. Really it was about doing what's right and building the best company you can 
with the right values. And, and then it, it's really, you know, the, the bottom line started coming. I mean, it was just kind of strange, you know, um, we, we had, Oh, let's see. I don't know what the, what the kager was. Pat Pride knows this in his sleep. I didn't really, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't sleep with that Here's number. You. I'm just like, all right, do we make money? All right, good. You know, he'd be like, all right, we're all this and that. And I'm like, okay, are we living on, you know, are we, are we marching forward? Are we doing what we're supposed to? Okay. Yeah. So he was the formal guy. I was not. So the growth was, was pretty significant in terms of, uh, I think we, we, we doubled, we let's see, our revenue went like eight times. We grew like eight or nine times by the time I sold it. So That's on the top side, yep. the employees grew from 50 and we had a high water mark of 310 employees. But, but what we did, it's a hard one to put down because we were growing, Kroger changed. We had a couple of lean years, you know, it wasn't all rosy. We had a couple of years, we lost money. You know, those were kind of scary. Different things happen, industry trends. And in our business, being a, a rep, since we didn't make anything, we didn't own any of the brands. Yeah, that's, You know, that's if you lose yeah. favor, I mean, you can all of a sudden Thank be on know. the other side of the business. Yeah. yeah. So, and then we made an acquisition in 2005. And, and that really, the combination of the group really pushed us into a whole nother, a whole nother level. And what, what this group did, it, it, they did basically the same things we did, but where where we lacked, they were good at, and where they lacked, we brought some you know something to the table there. So you know they had a, an owner that was exiting; he was retiring, and they didn't really have they had really good, I would say, upper management and really good salespeople. They had really good uh, brands that they were selling, but they needed kind of a CEO or CFO type, they needed some formalities up top that could, that can organize them. And so when we, when we bought them and they came into the fold, and this is what I said, when I told all the employees, we did this really, we're coming together to grow. We're not coming together as two companies to wipe, you know, (laughs) wipe a hundred employees out, pay for the business, you know, right away. And all of a sudden it's just about the bottom line. We're coming together. And in fact, the only person that lost his job was the was the the past president of the company that was retiring. Yeah. So it really wasn't was a lost job. I mean, he was he. <laughs> yeah. What's that? Well, which was on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Right. He was. Yeah. He was not going to go. And and um, so everybody else. And and I think that surprised people because that's not the norm. Usually, you would be like, "All right, back office. We're going to clean that up. All right, here's an overlapping uh, in this mm-hmm. division or." Or with this job, okay, uh, wouldn't it be both you? Or maybe we'll just say, hey, you're gone and you stay. I mean, it, all this kind of stuff happens. We said none of that. And that was intentional. Again, for one is I thought the two companies were both making money and they both were doing well. They just needed different things. Mm-hmm. I needed, and I needed folks just that was our leadership team. We needed more strength there. Mm-hmm. And that's what this company provided they had just below us and the folks that reported us were were excellent at what they did they were really good and and i we needed that we needed more of that we had some on our side too but it just you had more uh folks that are really seasoned veterans and and people that knew what they were doing they were really after the customer and uh, really what the customer wanted and that was key where i didn't have to be there i was there all the time but i wasn't there front line with all mm-hmm. the customers then mm-hmm you know, with all the brands like I had to be. So that, that relieved me 
to look more for long-term vision of the company and strategy. And that's really where we kind of took off. It was kind of a, it was kind of a, it was a great marriage um, coming together. What was one thing, Steve, that you, like one big takeaway that you learned after doing an acquisition? Hmm. Well, uh, even from the beginning, uh, after my dad died, when I say the beginning, I always thought that uh, culture was a big deal. And it's kind of about what we, you and I have been talking about here since mm-hmm. the beginning of this call. We just never put the word to it. But it's culture. And, and really the marrying of the two companies together, I don't, I don't understand why some executives feel or boards feel that they have to they make an acquisition or merge as what, whatever happens. And they got to make changes the next day. You know, or yeah, right. or this has to be this way, and and it's just like why? What's the why would you know? Because you're going to change the culture of that company by any small decision you make. So now you're going to make big decisions because <laughs> the small decisions. This you know, I don't understand that the small. De- everybody wants to be so hasty, like oh, I'm I'm going to make all these changes and blah, blah, blah. like why? Why don't you do an assessment first? You know. And so what we did is we didn't even change the name. We didn't even merge the companies until, gosh, a year and a half later. Mm. So we kept them separate. Benefits, of course, we all started looking at benefits, but we made gradual changes where we could. There were going to be some winners and some losers. But the way I looked at it is, is that that new company coming on board, they needed to, they didn't know who I was other than those few people you know, I mentioned at the top of the organization. I didn't know. The, the people out in the field, you know, because we had folks in 24 different states. They didn't know me, yeah, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? And and uh, I needed to know them, you know, and, and they didn't. So how are they going to trust me? I'm still a kid, you know, 34 years old. So I thought trust, you know, I always think trust is a big deal. So we, um, so the one takeaway back to your question, culture is the biggest. And I'm glad that we were not sucked into, and it's not my nature and it's not really, you know, talk about Pat again, it's not really Pat's nature to just make changes for the sake of changes. They got, there has to be a business reason behind making a, a drastic change. So we took it slow and gained trust and really kind of set the culture that that, that company that we, that we purchased, they had some issues with culture. Mm-hmm. They had an owner didn't know what he wanted to do. He was half in, half out because he was semi-retired. I mean, and, and I, I understand now as I got older where he was, that's a tough position to be in, yeah, you know, okay. because he built it. He was older. He started to make, you know, money or live a lifestyle he liked, but he didn't know, you know, I mean, I get where he was at, but if you do that too long, it's going to have some adverse effect in the police. And, um, and it could adversely affect the business too in the long run. So and actually I, we, uh, well, I was just going to say, sorry to interrupt you. I, I think it's a, it's actually mm-hmm. worth highlighting because you know half the listeners on the show are trying to figure out what they're going to do in the next one to five years, and I, I, I think we need to like reiterate how devastating that can be, and it's not a visible like visible impact sometimes. You know what I mean? Of having someone that's fully not fully committed. I mean, like I've sitting down in front mm-hmm. of people going. And you and I, I think you and I can laugh because we're on the younger end of the spectrum, but it's like, you know, someone that's 65 or so and like, oh, I'm not planning on selling my business. And I'm like, every single one of your employees knows you're 65. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes, you are. Yeah. Like, like, you know, so I just think that people, 
you know, you think that you can just kind of milk the cow as long as you possibly can, but it's just like, you know, I, I just don't think that people understand that if they do that, like the value of your business is like dramatically going down because the culture and like the, the lack of commitment, I mean, it just trickles throughout the whole organization, but you can't quantify it necessarily. No, that's an excellent point. Yeah, it, it, it does, it does um, erode the value, um, especially, you know, and employees talk. I mean, we're all people, you know, we're all humans. <laughs> yeah. And, and they talk, they have feelings, they have, I mean, they're not just robots. <laughs> You know, these <laughs> right? are folks you work. You these are folks you work with. You know, they're they're just like you. So you're right. They, they know how old you are, or where your life. You know, your life has changed, or your life direction's going in. And you know, I, I read something early on. You know, again early on after my my dad passed, and and again I was just trying to absorb as much as I can, and most of it I didn't because my I, you just can't you just can't hold on to all that. Yeah. You can. You're darn good at it. But I'm with me. I kind of move on, but. Um, is you, you run, you run the business like it's going to sell, you know, you, every day you run your business as if you're going to sell it. And it doesn't mean to me, I I took it as I don't need to make every single dollar at the end of the day. I mean, we're not here to squeeze everybody like, Hey, you know, Sally Sue, we're going to pay you a nickel less, you know, because, you know, we can, we can make, you know, 10 more dollars in the bottom line. It, It wasn't about that. It was, in the, the context of the article, or at least the way I took it was, you want to run the best business you can. So where are you, you assess the different aspects of your business and then where you, you know, you got to do a true assessment. Are you good? Are you not good? Are you somewhere in between? And, um, and, and you always are trying to improve. And you also want to try to get what I always thought was fun was that kind of thing. The strategy part of almost like being a, GM or a coach or something, or is you try to get the right people in the right positions mm-hmm. and you want to get a, you want to get, I don't think you want to get this group think thing. You want, you want people to, to be different, but respectful, you know? So I, I valued people's opinions and I still do. It's as long as everybody does it to where it's not biased because there's ulterior motives because that shuts me off right away. That's done. We're done with that. We're not going to talk about that. Yeah. But if it's someone where their intentions are right, bring it on. Cause there's going to be things I don't know. They don't know the, yeah. the next person doesn't know. And you can, you can really learn from people. So culture back to, back to your, I think your original yeah. question with the merger culture is a huge one. And as a CEO, to me, there's, there's a few things that a CEO does. And one of them is they're the keeper of the culture. They set the culture of the organization. So, I mean, the spotlight is on them. And, 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 I, and I guess maybe this is a good thing, being the boss's son. And I was the kid in junior high and high school and college, and I was always the boss's son. I always knew the spotlight was on me even before I was an employee there. Yeah, it's you so know? true. I mean, okay, oh, here, you know, <laughs> you know that one. You live that one. Oh, God, showing up, and you're right. like, I'm either going to be the entitled prick that everybody thinks I'm going to be, or I have to work <laughs> <laughs> it's like exactly. yeah, you literally have to yeah, work. Yeah, it's either you actually totally just say I'm going to be that person, or you just work twice as hard. Because even if you work twice as hard, everybody thinks you're still getting a, a free lunch. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and I knew that, and I and I'm one of the ones that I don't like that. You know, I, so I always wanted to work twice as hard because I didn't want to be that. Because <laughs> I always knew people were looking at me anyway. Like, okay, what's Steve doing? What's this doing? Oh gosh, that's John's son. Or and then after he passed, oh my God, what's he? What's he? Doing? Oh my God, he he was out for lunch for an hour and one minute. Oh my God. You know what I mean? He was gone for, 
where'd he go? He went out of town. What, what was he doing out of town? I was on business. Okay. You know, heaven forbid, you know, I mean, <laughs> you went to you the know, bathroom. Everybody's looked, yeah. I mean, what, you know, everybody looked at you and, and I, and you know what, that's part of the job, I guess, yep. you know, but, yep. but I really took it as what kills me is some of the folks that get rise up to that position. are like, yeah, damn right. It's my part of my job. And I'm the man or the woman, you know, doesn't No. Right. put your ego away. You know what I mean? Just calm yep. down. You're not that important, you know? So, and, and that's what was fun, no, I, fun for me. Well, it's, it, it totally brings, and that's what I, I do believe that it, it, it makes you think differently and perpetually too. And how, how did that, how did like, as you were the keep of the culture of the business and as you guys were growing and you were bringing everybody together, you know, you know, a couple of the, the milestones or like the big, you know, events were, and I don't, and again, this is just through some of the conversations I had with you and then Pat is you got an offer, like, was there like a kind of a, where did the shift as, where did it start to shift as you were looking at the strategy and didn't you get like a random offer from a big company? And so did that kind of like start changing your perspective on what the business and how that fit into your life and what the main goal was? Yeah. All along the way. Yeah. And I, and I'll, I'll take it back. So really started receiving offers, not, not seeking offers, receiving offers out of the blue five, six, Seven. Well, I'm not even an offer early on within one year after my dad died, you know, and, and then all the way on. And, and I always made a practice that again, I'll talk to anybody, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, you might as well, you should listen because even though it's not the perfect timing or, or you're not, don't think you're 100%, you know, there or, or the business is not to the place it wants to be. I, I would advise any business owner, especially, I know you, you talk a lot, or a lot of your listeners are uh, folks that are seeking advice on succession, succession planning, what have you. Always listen. And so I did. I mean, here I am. I'm 20-something listening to the people, and they're throwing around numbers and ideas. I'm like, oh, whatever. And and it was like, you know, it just didn't feel right. And I always say, well, it's got to feel right. Mm-hmm. So the numbers, the numbers are a part of it, absolutely. So the numbers have to be right. But it has to feel right, too. So we, I, you know, there were several people approaching us over the years well what happened to me and probably a lot of business owners is when you own a business outright or or you know and or more or maybe a majority partner or something the business is so much you meaning it's your personality it's like you it's what you it's it's kind of what you alluded to before it, it just becomes a part of you and that was my family my baby i didn't have any children and and this was my my baby well in uh, 2012, I got married. So when I got married, I got married to a lady who had three children. So all of a sudden, I was a dad, you know. Mm-hmm. And they were they lived with us, you know. So this was th- these were these were were my my children too. And um, that got me starting to think, how long do I want to do this? And then also, I, I've always had this in my mind about my dad died at 50. And I saw my dad work hard. My dad was always working. He was always thinking, always making notes. He was always traveling. He was always this and that, trying to come up with ideas. And I, I said to myself, I don't, I want to retire at 50 or by the time I'm 50. That was, the, so you go back to goals and all that. I didn't have a financial goal. I had mm-hmm. a goal of, I want to retire with my 50 because I had a legitimate fear that I'm going to just die working like my dad and not really get to enjoy all of the fruits of your labor. So, so 50 was, yeah. So I had that in my head since I was in my twenties. I mean, 
like a big stamp, you know? And so I did have that. And so that was always in the back of my head. And then as, it's funny, as you get older, you're like 50, I just not very old, you know? So I'd be like, eh, I'm 55, you know, so I <laughs> yeah, changed the number, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, I, so I got married start, and now I was a dad and um, we wanted to have our own kids together. And so this was 2012. And so, oh, I think it was a year later we got, I got a call, another one of these. Okay. Somebody's interested. All right. So I go and talk to them and, and I listen to them again. And then usually it was one time in the years past or maybe twice. I would talk to these companies about it. No, thanks. You know, cause I, there would be something that just rubbed me wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, and something would come out of their mouth and you're like, man, they're just going to gut this company and employees are, you know, and, and I'm like, that's not what this is about. So I never, never went. So this, this company I had multiple meetings with and, and I was liking it. Um, and I thought it was going to be time. My, my wife was pregnant with our first child together and, uh, and I was getting, I was mid forties by then, I don't know, 43. So, okay. You know, I'll, I'll listen. And we got real close, real close to making a deal with them, but it just, and I told, even I was upfront with them. I said, money's great. And I said, you know what, Pat and attorneys, they'll, they'll negotiate that, but it's got to feel right. I got to be in it a hundred percent. I can't be in it 90%. I can't be in it 95%. I got to, because this is going to be life after, you know, because they wanted me to work for them and run, you know, part of their business and maybe even, you know, whatever, you know, if you move up the chain, you know, it's a much bigger company, but I didn't know if I wanted that either. Right. And, uh, cause that was a court, that was more, that was a big time company. We were, we were a mid-sized company and they were a large company. And so ended up pulling the plug. They, they called, I called and told them, no, they made, they made an offer. They, it was one of those things like, like I'm the president must have thought I was negotiating because he goes, well, how much, th- how about this much money? And I'm like, <laughs> you don't understand. I hit no's a no. I said, I don't, you know, I mean, I wasn't negotiating. If I was negotiating, I'd throw some number out of the air and be like, all right, you come to that number. But it wasn't about the money. Um, I mean, it's gotta be, cause this is my future and, and, and my family now, it wasn't just me. It was my wife and our kids, but my decision was not, was not financially based then at that point because it, it was, uh, it was more, I, di- I didn't, what did it just, I wasn't in it. What, what did um, I was worried about the, um, the legacy. See, I'm really big on respecting the past and, and the history and, and those types of things of business. Cause I think you can learn a lot, not only from the past, but it, it's something that it's like an anchor or a foundation for companies or for sports teams or whatever, that they use it as a platform. And I really believe legacy is a big deal. It goes with that culture thing. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm putting my stake in the ground with a company that's been around for 20 years, 10 years, 50 years, 100 years. But this is who they are. This is where they've come from. This is where we're at now. We may not be doing the same thing, but I was really big on the legacy part of it. And this was a much bigger company, and they gave me the, the whole standard. Yeah, it's important to us to blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> totally. Like, yeah. No, it's not. No, it's not. Within a year, you're going to change the name. Yeah, I know you're going to change the name. That, right? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and and uh, so that was the probably the biggest aspect. And I just wasn't quite there yet. But uh, it got me thinking along those lines, you know, 
So how did your longer shift then? And then like, yeah, so like after that, I mean, I've gone through that too. And then, then it's like, then it becomes a little bit more real that you're kind of mentally committed down a journey. So like, where did you take it from there? Yeah, you're right. Because then it was a shift. It was a, all right, we've, we're not going to go down that road, but it's got me thinking about my future, right? About how long I want to do this in this capacity, you know, whether it's ownership or uh, position of CEO and all of that. So it did get me thinking along those lines. So we really started, me and Pat and our advisors, which is a great group of advisors and uh, attorneys, business attorneys, accountants, and um, executive coach with advisor, you know, these, these types of people that are really smart, quite smarter than I'll ever be, but they're really good at laying it out. And I always thought that was a key to our success too, is Surround yourself with great people. You know, number one, they have to, they have to have, yes, they have to be smart, but they have to have, uh, on top of that, they have to have uh, integrity and they have to really want the best for the organization. Because the organization, whether I'm alive or dead or whoever, whatever owner is alive or dead, the, the company has to go on. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is the bottom line. I learned that when I was in my 20s too. It's like, look, you can have a great life. From all of this, but ultimately, if the company goes down, nobody prospers. You know, yep, yep. Uh, you, the employee, the owners, the employees, the, any of the any of the stakeholders, they don't. So there's a, a big void there. So don't basically don't kill the, the golden goose or whatever. You know, yep. and I, I've seen companies, I've seen companies do that. Family businesses, they get greed sets in. You know, and a woman, I want a bigger piece of the pie. I want this, and you do all this, and then well, where's the company? Oh, nowhere. We don't have any capital to to grow. I, you oh, know what? I, I, I gotta tell you. Oh, sorry. I gotta, I gotta tell you, like the, the my favorite quote, Steve. I'm uh, I'm working with this family, mm-hmm. really good friend of mine, <laughs> and uh, his dad. Like they're just an Italian family. And his dad looks at me, and he goes, "Yeah, Junior. <laughs> they they gotta realize that we have this milk cow, and the, we get lots of milk. But if we kill the cow, we have to make sure we have enough milk to live." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like yeah, you're, that's yeah. right. <laughs> exactly. The, the the supply immediately is gone if you kill the cow. <laughs> I mean, and that is that is so true. Again, these are like basic principles, but so many people fall into this. And I tell people too, there is no get rich quick scheme. Okay, I mean, yes, you you may develop some uh, some widget that everybody in the world has to has to have, but you know how many people do that? Not many. So really what you're doing is you're, we're all just trying to make a business or trying to find a niche or trying to do something better than somebody before. We're all trying to do all that. But I mean, it's a lot of work. We're all, we're all expendable, yeah. you know? So if, if you go and, and you just, and you're right, you milk it or you run it, it's gone. Well, where's it going to go? You know, so I see these family businesses and I've seen them around here, you know, and I'm sure they're everywhere. You know, and they've got all these shareholders, half of them doing work there, and then they, they everybody wants a piece of the pie. Well, it's great when the pie when the pie's big, but when the pie you you take too much of the pie or or the pie gets smaller, what do you do? <laughs> yeah. what do you, you know, you all fight. Of a you're like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I always I always respected the business first. That's that's another reason it wasn't about me. I mean, yeah, it's fun that people. You know, it, you've had this importance, and I'll tell you that that the psychological side of it of owning a business actually, the money was great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm, it's not like I'm anti-money, but 
what really I enjoyed was was providing a service and helping people connect people. It was the way I always looked at it. So how can we do a better job? How can we provide a service that's really valued, that people really enjoy? How can I work with people? Because I like being around people. And, and, and those types, of, and it made you feel important. Again, mm-hmm. importance is not a money thing. Importance is just, it makes you feel like you're important. And I don't know if I was important or not, but it made me feel like it. So, and, and that's what I, being retired, I, maybe I'm stepping ahead and I'll get back to, to my story in a second. But that's the, that's the one thing that is kind of hard to replace in a way if you're, Oh, you still run your own business, but well, and yeah. and, we don't have to, and, and I to I want to make sure that we we dive into that because I think you and I hit a, hit a pretty couple really cool chords when we were talking on the phone private uh, previously, and mm-hmm. the business does provide, and a lot of a lot of owners don't realize this till after the fact, which is literally where the the podcast title come came from, which is the psychological mm-hmm. integration that you have, and you don't realize that your whole like identity got stripped. And, you know, before we, yeah. before we dive too much into that right now, Steve, like, it's like you went and, and not to like spoil too much, but you went to the, you did an ESAP and then you did a private equity recap in a fairly short period of time. And I think that's just, yeah, you know, talk about how culture and legacy ties into all this. I'm just curious and like, you know, the underlying themes of how that, you know, how that was successful in the ESAP and then how that changed as you ended up selling it again. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we went through. Uh, saying no to that that big that large company, and then it was got us to really think. For me, I still had I had pulled money out of the organization over the years, especially uh, the lat the prior five years or so is when we really started making money. So the first gosh thirteen the first thirteen years I remember or twelve thirteen years of me, of owning the business I had a nice salary. You know that was about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A couple little bonuses here and there towards the last couple of those years, but. I wouldn't say anything that I could go and live, not even me, live <laughs> off of. I mean, it's nowhere near that. It was just enough to, you know, to, to put a little bit in the bank, that kind of thing or whatever. Then we started making uh, good money. And that was, and th- that was a life-changing event from a, yeah, I'm going backwards, but I'll, I'll get to what no, you're, no, what I, you're I, saying, I'm Ryan. It, yeah. And that, that was kind of a life-changing moment. And um, I've always been like a guitar and amp collector and, but I mean, I collected stuff that was inexpensive because I couldn't afford anything that was like really old or really cherished. And and I remember being able to get a bonus after running the company for 13 years. That was enough to buy a vintage guitar. And, and I'm not talking about a big vintage guitar, real expensive one, but just something that was more than what I could ever have dreamed of. I mean, I came, I cried. I mean, I literally cried. Here's a, you know, I'm in my mid thirties crying. That's so um, cool. But I mean, it was just, it just. Because I, I didn't do it expecting that, mm-hmm. so it was like almost it was just a complete surprise. But anyway, when we 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 were starting to make money there for several years, five six years, I think we were, we start again. Um, the company was doing well, and um, turned down that big company. So then it got me thinking about okay, got a family, uh, child of my own on the way because the other kids were they weren't old. I'm trying to think how old they were. I think one, you know Brian was a teenager. Brandon was, let's see, you know, like nine and, and Brooke was seven or whatever when we got married. So they weren't like babies mm-hmm. when I got married to my wife. So, but now having a child coming and um, got me thinking differently. And some of the money and some of the things, okay, I can diversify. I can, I can do these sorts of things. And, and I didn't really think I could, you know. 
so it got me thinking. So the attorneys that we had said, hey, why don't you, well, let's talk about an ESOP. You know what an ESOP is? Well, I heard of it, but I don't know any of the details of it, you know, <laughs> and employee stock, um, stock option plan. So I didn't know anything about that. They explained it and it made sense to me because mm-hmm. it was me able to diversify, okay, my assets. And, but it was also me still being able to run a company because that was important from psychological. And also I still was young enough and still enjoyed doing it. And then it was, it was important for me from a legacy standpoint that the business would naturally move on to the folks that were there to help me in the first place, Mm -hmm. you know, because we were a family and we were a team and we were working together. So everybody, as long as the company survived and again, prospered, they would prosper. So it really made a sense all the way around. And um, so it was, the, it was the right move. So we went towards that and we did it. So we did that in, let's see, middle of, uh, of 2014. So we're going on yeah, five years from now. That was five years ago. Did you? So we, we, we uh, did that. Yeah. I was just going to ask, did you, you know, which is make I mean, based on what you're saying, it makes so much sense. And uh, I'll, I'll put in the list the, for the listeners in the show notes, a couple other links to some other ESAP podcasts, but the, uh, you know, what I think Steve, like, did you, when you were say you were able to diversify, did you, because you put some debt on the books, cause then you become a tax-free entity, right? So did you, did you take a little bit of debt out or they, cause I think you can take up to what 50%. So you're able to like actually take a good chunk of money off the table and the tax savings usually pays for it. Right. Yeah. Um, right. And Pat would know all these numbers. He, he puts it together and I just agree to it. Again, I, do, <laughs> I love it. It's I do what he says. I do what he says on one respect and then he, he may or may not do what I say on another respect. So we really divided the business in a good way. He was the backbone and I was kind of the one out front, you know, and I said, Pat, we can, we got to do this, you know, and he, all right, well, what's that mean? And he'd ask all the good questions. And then somewhere behind that, I'd be like, all right, let's not do it. Or we're going to do this. (laughs) Okay, fine. I'll be, you know, so we always came to, uh, uh, but it, it was, he was always good at teeing everything up and then, That's awesome. and then, uh, we, we made good decisions or, or I made good decisions, however it worked out. But so, yeah, it tax-free entity, you're right. You so, did, and you I, did 2015 or, t- or 2014, 2014. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so, you know, when I was sitting next to Pat in that training and he told me that you guys sold two and a half years later to a private equity, firm, I've never heard that before. And I don't know, you guys must be like one of the first that have done that. Cause you know, the whole point is to do what you were just explaining. So what yeah. the heck happened that led up to like, Hey, this is going to be a long-term legacy culture. Like I'm going to run the business play. And like, what happened over those two and a half years that, that led up to actually selling the whole business? Yeah. It, for me, um, the ESOP was a way also for me to start evaluating how much I wanted to be involved. So I was still CEO, chairman, president, I was still all of those things. But we really started peeling off in 2015, a year later, peeling off titles. So mm-hmm. we gave, I was still the chairman. We gave you know, the president's title to another uh, person in the organization. And then we did away with the CEO title. So, and it was, but it, that was hard for me. I was going to say. That was really hard for me. I, I, it was hard because there was somebody that ran the day-to-day and he was a, a person that I chose, actually. But it was really hard, in all fairness to him and uh, for me. And so I didn't take it very well. And it was like weird because it was my own decision. You know what I mean? It was one of those mm-hmm. things where I, maybe I shouldn't have done that. And, and 
just because it just it just didn't feel right at the end of the day. I thought it was the right move, but it it was tough for me. Well, I was gonna say like I can't imagine. Well, it's like I I totally get it. See, because whether it's an ESOP or a family transition or management buyout or whatever the heck it is, you know, to use your word earlier, like you know, CEO or president, whatever the name of the main person is, right, is the culture. Yeah, culture. I mean, mm-hmm. what was difficult about that? Was that kind of the the nuclear or the nucleus point of it like the the center point of it of like the culture point or the leadership point or decisions or what was it kind of all of those you know and 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 he may have done better you know in all fairness to him he may have done better if i not had been around at all but i was still the chairman i was still the the biggest creditor you know a lot of money owed me you know Mm -hmm. and um so i it but I'm also going to be the most critical because I held that job mm-hmm. for 20 years, you know, or 21 years or whatever it was. So, you know, and, and I feel like I earned my weight, you know what I mean? I, I did that. And then, so it, it's a tough position for anybody that's going to succeed someone. They're, they're put into a tough position. And again, psychologically, I was put in a tough position and he probably needed uh I know he needed development that I thought I could help him. He didn't really want my help. And I kind of get that later on. I didn't understand it then, but sometimes folks just, you know, there's, there's this whole, the employees are always going to, as long as I was there, the employees are always going to look at me. Mm -hmm. And that was not completely fair for him. I think if, if we had done it differently, there would have been a more, we had to be together more than we were. You know, yeah. Yeah. you know, more, more tied together for a while and, at least, right? and for a while at least. And then, and then really get some trust between each other. And I think the employees would see that and really be, and we didn't spend time as much time developing that as we should have. And I think that was a big one. And, and, and then where we can learn each other too, because, you know, I've, probably could learn some from him. He could learn some from me, but you know, I I think that was the biggest thing. So it it really was a weird situation, you know, because me leaving or well, you know, me taking a step back wasn't what I thought it would be, (laughs) you know, maybe I enjoyed being in the spotlight more than I let on, you know, I don't know. And, you know, but it's one of those things you're used to doing. And they're used. To, it's so much a part of your identity, so much a part of your life. And when it's peeled away, even if it's your own decision, which it was <laughs> my own decision. I mean, that's what's crazy about it. So it's like, all right, I'm kind of part of my, you know, I'm kind of the dumb one that did it. You know, I, maybe I should have done it. That's what I thought. I thought thought should have been uh, should have done, but it didn't happen that way, or I didn't feel that way. So well, anyway, know, we what we did is the yeah. Go ahead, Ryan. Sorry. Well, I was just gonna say. I mean, I. I you know, there's just too much science out there now, Steve, that shows that like that's the real thing. You know what I mean? It's not just like made mm-hmm. up in your head. Where like there, there's a, an actually an fMRI um, uh, study about like the brain triggering of the blood and the neurons. Like when someone looks at their baby and thinks about their business, the exact same parts of their brain happen. Like they get it stimulated. So it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, no, it's like like total science. <laughs> like like you can't. Wow. And, uh, I'm living proof on that. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> and you just it's crazy. Realize, yeah, it is. It was a, it was a Kate Spade that ended up um, taking her life. And then they, they, this whole article came on about that. And it was like, 
because she out like after she sold the business, like she just tried to recreate everything about what it was before, and she never could and never found happiness again. <laughs> it's just like you know, yeah. tons and tons and tons of money, and just didn't realize like how much the people and the vendors and the decisions and all the stuff mean to them. Hmm. Yep. Yep. That is that is so true. <laughs> now that I'm on the other end of it, and I'm still, you know. Well, I wouldn't say sound mind. Sort of sound mind. Depends on what you call a sound mind. <laughs> right. Um, all relative. You know, it, it's all relative. Uh, you know, it, it's so true. And you know what, Ryan? Business is psychology, especially in service business. Again, I can't speak for we're making, you know, the newest, uh, you know, smartphone or, or, or the newest machinery or whatever. But in a service business, and probably all business, but it, it's psychology. So, I mean, if you're trying to get people to work together, see, uh, not only just work together, but, but you're trying to create a vision, you know, and, you, and here's your vision. You're trying to get people to follow you, people rally around you, people to see the vision, people to want to be a part of the vision. People want to help grow, you know, the vision, push the vision, be a part of, you know, anything. Mm-hmm. It's psychology so much. And, and uh, so it is, because again, back to, the happier employee is going to do better. That's mm-hmm. psychology, right? If you're mm-hmm. happy in anything you do, you're usually going to do it better. You may not do it better right off the bat, but you're going to want to do better, which pushes you to be better. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and so it, what you just said, while it surprised me, um, it doesn't surprise me. It's true. It's absolutely true. Well, I was and that, that one is a hard one to anticipate. That's a hard one to anticipate. And then what do you do? You're a business right? owner. <laughs> what do you, like, Shit, I don't know. You better have a lot of hobbies. Or, I don't know. You got to do something else. I don't know. Well, I, have little kids like I did. Yeah, but then still, like I even said to my wife, like at least, you know, business, there's a rule, there's rules in the game, but the kids, there's no like rule book, man. Like, so it's totally different game. <laughs> so, like, it is. I just want to, I want to go back to adults again. Like there's, <laughs> I'm like, I, you know, I, when I was in it, I'm like, God, I hate dealing with adults because some of them are kind of children. Well, then when you have children, you're like, I want to go back to the adults, man. We're easier. <laughs> I know. It's, it, it, I, you know, going back to your point and what we were talking about earlier is like, you know, the, I, like I was telling Pat the other day, like I miss being a leader of like big teams, you know, cause like I have, I, I can make big, you know, changes as a, through our consulting company that I help with people on this stuff. But like, you know, just being the leader of people and helping people move in the right direction and make them be happy. It's just, you can't do that when you don't have an infrastructure of a business. It's impossible. Yeah, it's, it, it is hard. It, 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 yeah, you're right. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you try to, you try to, you know, you think, so I've tried to equate it to, you know, all right, here we have a family of now seven, you know, we have two small kids and all right, put yourself in this position. You're the, you know, you're the president or whatever this, of this, of this family. And you're like, you know what? You really don't have many rights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. President or CEO of my, of my own company. I had a lot of rights. I had a lot of freedoms. No, you don't right here. You don't really do that. Uh, you're the oh, last one. You are number seven on the list. I was going to say, I'm right. VP of nothingness at my, in my house. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. It's changed. I'll tell you, but, but uh, in a, in a good way, a different, but a way different. And, it takes a, it, you know, there's, there was an emptiness. I, I guess we'll get to the PE firm and all. Well, I was going to say, we're, we're gonna gonna talk to, about I know life afterwards. Yeah, I was going to say, we've already, yeah. we've got, we've t- been talking a long time, so I don't want, I don't want to wear you out or anything like that. But, you know, like you said, it's emptiness and how does that, t- I'm just, 
because I know a little bit of the underlying part of the story. And I think it's such a good one because of how many different things you guys experience. And like, so, you know, selling to the PE firm, like, you know, after this ESOP thing, I mean, they came out of the blue, I'm assuming. And then like, how did it, you know, without, you don't have to get into tons of the details, but maybe just like, why did you end up selling to a PE firm? And then how was the, your, you know, like you were saying, I have to be a hundred percent in and I, I have to feel it. It has to feel right. How did it all turn out? Mm -hmm. Culture and legacy. Like, why did you do it? And then how did it turn out? Yeah. Um, so we were, so middle of 14, we did the, uh, the ESOP and, and we really spent a lot of time, especially, you know, especially the first year trying to explain to folks what an ESOP is, you know, and, and I think we, we probably beat it too much or made too much out of it. And, and the reason I say that is so many of our employees thought like owners before it, uh. you know, and I, and I think we overshot the mark on because, you know, trying to, are oh, you're an owner now or whatever. And, and it's like, well, they are, but they're still doing the same job. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, and you want them to have ownership mentality, but our company, we had great people that already had the ownership mentality, whether they owned anything or not. I mean, they were wonderful. So I think it, you know, it took a while to get folks to understand that because, because it was a weird thing with an ESOP is, you know, it was almost like, okay, man, I'm an owner. Now I can set my own schedule or I can make my own decisions. Like, well, hold on, <laughs> lighten up. Yeah. All right. You said this company still needs to be, and I probably should have put my foot down a little more than I did. I didn't want to stomp on the excitement. Right. But, you know, in retrospect, it's been like, look, and I said it, I should have said it louder, is look, the company still has to run. The reason we can even do this is because we were successful. So, and, and this is the choice that that I made to go down because we we're successful and I wanted to share it and, and, and I could still be a part of it and still diversify and all of these things, but it still has to be run and decisions still have to be sound. The decision the, the people making decisions should still be the ones making the decisions at the appropriate levels. You know, it can't just be a free for all. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we turned into a free for all, but we turned into, it just got a little tough. I, I think it, like, I think, like yeah. the arrogance that came into, it, or what was the, did people's mind? Yeah, there was some of that, mindset. some of that, and 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 yeah, sure, and and they, you know, it was like, well, I'm an owner now, and whatever. All of a sudden, you know, I know everything about everything. Well, no, you don't. I mean, the only thing that changed differently is now you, you know, you got you're some shares. <laughs> yeah, your vesting schedule or whatever, and you're, you're going to make some money. At, you know, as long as the company does well, you'll make money whenever you exit, but there's no guarantee there. You know, mm -hmm. if the company goes down or loses value, you're not going to get what, you know, but you didn't have to put a dime in, you know. So I, I think there was some misconceptions and I wish we would have held it together a little better because what it did is it, I think it paralyzed us in a way to make quick decisions. Not that we want to make quick decisions, but oh, yeah, thoughtful yeah. and quick. Yeah. So it was something that, okay, gosh, we get everybody's opinion. And this is around when the time I was changing to relinquishing the day-to-day -day running. Oh, my gosh. Because I would just go, I would just go on around and talk to people. Mm -hmm. You know, I wouldn't have had 100 meetings about something. Mm -hmm. Just give people's ideas, okay? All right, here's what we're thinking of doing. Okay, what do you think? All right, there. and then you move on. But you don't have ambiguity of, wait a minute, well, Jim Bob, who, you know, 
you know, is a is an hourly employee that has been with the company for two months has the greatest idea. Not that they wouldn't have the greatest idea, but I don't know if you know where I'm going with this. Sometimes if you if you can get paralyzed well, by I having too that. many. Too There's many cooks in the kitchen here. Right. Well, you, someone needs to make a decision. So Ray Dalio's got a book called Principles, and he calls it believability. He calls it the idea yeah. meritocracy, where everybody can give their input. So, like, even the receptionist can tell Ray, who you know runs like the world's largest hedge fund, most successful dude, like almost ever, and they can they can call him an idiot, but he will take everybody's advice into consideration with open, honest transparency, and then and feedback, and then whoever has done it the most gets to make the final call. Yeah. <laughs> Simple, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and I always said, I was like, all right, whoever has the, because here I am trying to coach the folks into making these decisions because while we had great teams and I, I accepted all input from the team or whatever, and then I would go out and get some from others and we would always try to gather, make the most thoughtful decision. We weren't perfect by any means, but we had our system. And then everybody looked at me, all right, what do you want to do? And then I would make the final decision. That was just mm-hmm. how we did it, mm-hmm. you know. But you know, we go literally go around the room. Okay, you're the head of this. What do you think there? What are we going? And what are we trying to accomplish? Okay, and then I would make the final decision. Well, when it got a little weird and, it, and the succession turned, and this is where I was questioning. I'm like, well, shouldn't it, you? And I'd hear back like there was no decision made. I'm like, why? Why was there not a decision made? This has been talked about for months, you know. And I'm like, what are we doing? You know. So I'm like. Mm-hmm. Then I would try to jump back in or not jump back in. I, you know, I had to be careful there because I'm trying to yeah, yeah, have yeah. brains on. And I don't want to be that person to do that. But I also, a company has to prosper, right? As back what we have said, whether it's an ESOP or, or, or a corporation, uh, uh, you know, with a whole bunch of shareholders or, so, or you know, a sole proprietorship, whatever, um, the company has to survive. So then it was just getting... I was getting frustrated, to be honest with you, because that's just not the way that, that I did things. And maybe it wasn't bad, but it wasn't the way I would have done it. So there's that part about not being there and you're going through a succession. Be careful how you outline this and, and what you do as you pass it on to someone else. If, you know, someone else is going to run it day to day. And so that, that got weird because then it was like, okay, Steve wants to make a decision on this or not. And then it was this. And then they thought I was... Jumping, I'm like, my best interest is the company. I don't know what all your best interests are. You know what I mean? I'm, mm-hmm. Obviously, my best interest is the company, or I wouldn't have sold the ESOP. If it was about, and I just want to tell them, like, I would have sold out. So all that money that goes into your pool would have been in my bank account. You know what I mean? I'm <laughs> like, I, I don't know why I had to all of a sudden be the one that had to point that out to people. And that's an uncomfortable one. So I didn't feel right saying that because that's kind of heavy-handed. I'm not a heavy-handed person, mm-hmm. but I wanted to say that. <laughs> I mean, I really wanted to, but I, I think I said, I think I said it to Pat several times, but I didn't say it to the, you know, the, uh, the employee base. And then, you know, um, but I, you know, it, it got a little strange that way. So being, you gotta be careful with the succession. So anyway, when we were, we were doing, the reason we did the ESOP was to share company was doing really well. The company continued to do really well, but I noticed that we were getting bogged down by decisions, and I was fearful of the next generation of lead of of the leaders. And after I was gone, so we never shut our door to listening to offers. And so we got called from another large corporation. Probably the, the, this would be 
the largest in our industry. So the two largest in our industry had courted us. And we listened to the one uh, before the ESOP. We listened to the other one. After the ESOP, you know, we talked about merging with another company. We, we just went down that road and I was getting pushback from the upper management. But I'm like, guys, I've been down this road before. If we can't basically get our shit together, mm-hmm. I mean, we're all of a sudden, the, the, the margins we're making now are not going to be. And then we're not going to. The bottom line that I wanted to do is everybody sharing this thing. So if this company goes down or starts to lose uh, the money that they're making or not making as much money, everybody gets affected. Nope. So they kept thinking, you know, and I think people then that were close enough to the situation were, God, Steve just won all his money and greed. I'm like, it's not about greed. I'm fine no matter what happens to me because I'd already made that decision with the ESOP. I'd already made mine. Mine was for the fact of I wanted everybody to share in it. And if we're having a hard time at the top making decisions, we're getting along and we're missing opportunities, which I saw we were missing opportunities. And again, as a chairman, you're trying to guide, push, ask questions. When you're president or CEO, whatever the, the, the title is in a company, you're, 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 you're the one that's living it. Two different things. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel as a chairman trying to guide, trying to walk around, trying to, you know, push and all this kind of stuff without being in it. That was a hard one for me. Yeah. I was used to just saying, damn it, we're going to do this and we're going to go. <laughs> we're going down this opportunity. I may be wrong, but it feels right. We got numbers. We may not make money for a couple of years, but it's the right long-term strategy and go. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't do that. And I knew that that was a tough one. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't do that under the way the structure was. So I was really a proponent of us listening to all these offers again. And, the, you know, and the reason they were offering is because we're doing well. You know, they're not going to come and want to buy you if your company losing money or you don't have anything to offer that's a value, whether it's a, something you make or some kind of uh, a piece of business or something that somebody wants. You know, uh, but if, if there's value, of course you're going to be wanted. So I was really the one that was pushing, you know, the new president and Pat and the rest of the board, like, we need to do this. We need to listen. You know, we need to go. And anyway, so it came up that it was a private equity firm that wanted to get into this business. And they had made their first acquisition, and they were looking to grow. Well, um, they came knocking on our door. And um, so we listened. And I told, you know, and at that time, again, there was some mistrust amongst us. And I just said, look, we're listening. Um, Because, you know, they didn't want to hear from me the reasons, because I had a different perspective. I wasn't in it. I was just removed enough to where I can kind of see a little bit of what mm-hmm. was going on. And I didn't like it. I didn't like, it wasn't what our company was about. It wasn't about who did what it was about the company succeeding. And it turned into a little bit about, about me kind of thing, the me attitude. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like that. And it was just enough. It may not have been a lot where most people would even feel it. But again, when it's your baby, like you said, yeah, well, I know when my well, I know when my kid doesn't feel right. How can you tell? You know what I mean. Totally. I live with my child. You know what I mean. You may, you may not think that he or she has a stomachache, but I believe them. when they have a stomachache, they do this. They you know they rub their stomach or pull on their ear. Or whatever. Anyway, we push forward with it, but and it was if we get the number, the multiple that we want, you know that we think that would give the return for everybody. And there's the calculations and all that. And Pat's an expert at that then we should do it. Well, we did. We got it. 
And um, and that was at the end of 2016. So, yeah, so you're talking about, yeah, two and a half years. Right. Two and a half years later, we God, sold out the private equity firm. Which, yeah. means it, you, which means it was, I think Pat said, there was such a number that was so big that you prudently had to give, I actually had to do it because it was what was right for the shareholders. But skipping through some of those technical details, Steve, like the, you know, what did the, you know, going back to what you said is it has to feel right 100% in. Couple questions. One is, mm-hmm. did you feel like you had to be a hundred percent in because you had a little bit of the annoying BS that was going on? And then, what did they say that made you feel comfortable with it? And then, did they follow through with everything they said? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've, heard, I've asked this question before. I've heard the stories. Stories. You have heard this one before. You're probably gonna. You're probably gonna hear the same one. Um, boy, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, I, I tell you. Again, as a CEO or business owner or whatever, any any leader, you're trying to you're trying to guess what's going to happen, right? You're, you, I, mean, I mean, these are educated guesses most people are taking. You, you know, you have data backing it, or you have you know the industry so well enough inherently, or you just make good decisions because you're thoughtful and you have a good sense of business sense. Whatever it is, <laughs> you can't predict everything. So um, <laughs> what what they said that was really good. I mean, the number so they hit the number side. And also, you know, they, they hit, they hit the numbers and, um, but they also hit, they were, they were gathering small companies across the country and putting together one large organization to, to compete with those two major players that I told you that had approached us. So their strat, the, the vision and the strategy was right. I mean, I believed in that and, and I, I'd wanted to do if I had any kind of freaking guts more than I did. I guess I had some guts, right? But, but I mean, that was right for the taking ten years prior, you know. But mm-hmm. but we were so busy with the business, we were growing. I kind of wish we would have done that. You know what I mean? Done what their vision was was to to gather these companies together, like like companies, and put it together into a national strategy. So that was so the vision made sense. And uh, we trusted the the guy that was going to run it because I was not going to run it. I didn't politic for the job. I was already just, I wasn't uh, running the day-to-day of the business for the last year, a little over a year at the other, you know, at my company. I think I was chairman for maybe a year and a quarter. So I was going to move on. We had had our second child Mm -hmm. together. My wife and I, we have five kids. Um, We'd already gone down that path. I was kind of fried from that last year, year or two I bet, of being in a company. Drama and it, stuff, yeah. it was totally, it was totally different than what I, again, when you're kind of, I don't know, we, I think we kind of monkeyed a little bit with the, with the, um, uh, with the formula and, and that, that, that's a big part of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it wasn't to my liking. So, Anyway, I was ready and I was out. So the the guy that was going to run it, the person was was out of the um, the first sales and marketing agency that they bought. It was the president of that company was going to be the overall oh, CEO. Okay. And and they had gone through an ESOP, so we liked that that they understood oh, employees are are genuinely important, you know, and and that you know we want to grow this and this is the vision and all that sort of thing. So that really felt right, and they were going to basically give us or my former company some autonomy and I really believed them on that too, especially because we were making good money and we were we were growing. But I was out, you know, December thirty first of 
of 2016, I was done. So, you know, I think I wrapped up everything a few months later, but I was essentially gone, you know. Like you didn't have any equity but, um, in the new business at all, like because they had fully paid you out then? Uh, no, I still have some. And that was my own pushing. I wanted mm-hmm. to be a part of it because I believed in it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, look, I want to be a part of this because I want my former company to know because they're going to ask, well, Steve, what Steve do? Did mm-hmm. Steve just get everything out? No, I didn't. Yep. I left some of it in. Yep. And I still have, and I've still continued when they have a capital call. I still put the, my right, my righted, you know, value of shares to buy the, the right to buy shares. I, I, every time I've done it every time. And so I put money back in and that, because I wanted, you know, people to follow me, right. Even to this day, even though, because that, that's just the way you do it. I mean, not looking for a, so yeah, I'm not looking for like a, a yeah, button yeah. for it or like a, like an extra prize. But I mean, no, it's a, you know, you gotta, you gotta put your money where your mouth is. And so I did, I kept some of it in and then I've contributed more as the years have gone. Um, have they so, been fulfilling the promises that they were, that they gave you guys from like culture and legacy and all the stuff that was like pretty important to you besides just the money? Uh, well, I, I'm not living it day to day, but from what I've heard, there's been maybe not. Yeah. Challenges. So I don't, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can <laughs> go too deep with, yep. with that sort of thing. I think I'd, I'd rather not, but cause I, I'm not living it. Yep. You know, I mean, from my vantage point, there was, uh, yeah, I could maybe, probably maybe give an opinion, but I don't know if I should. No, 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 I, I totally get it. And so maybe see, like as we're kind of tying this all together, is like, how was that the whole? <laughs> I mean, I think about the roller coasters that you've gone through, and this is you know the only thing that I can relate in my world was like for the the years that I was doing, it was like we're selling, we're not selling, we're selling, we're not selling, and like it just <laughs> like, it's complete emotional whiplash, and the, the the roller coaster of emotions that you went on, and now you're sitting here and you before you got on the the phone, you were talking about how you were talking to the, <laughs> the FedEx guy about the Ohio game, and it's it's like yeah, you know how how are you like emotionally? How have you dealt with it? You said you know you went back and you said emptiness a little bit, and I'm just kind of curious, man, because like we were talking about this, and I don't know, it, it's it's a you know, as you tried so hard to keep the culture and the legacy and your baby alive and moving in the right direction, how, like, you know, where's your head at? Yeah. Where my head is personally or yeah, and just with, with, the, like, with my uh, former business? No, well, all of it, I get, because it's the same thing, right? <laughs> like, we always, yeah, like, it we're... is. <laughs> well, it, it, it's, it's a tough one because I, I'm still friends with a lot of the people I used to work with, right? You know, you don't, you don't lose those, and a lot of those friendships you don't want to lose. Cause they're, they're friends too. And, um, so, you know, I hear from some of them and, and unfortunately some of them have moved on and for one reason or another, and I guess that happens. And not that we didn't have turnover when, when I ran the business and owned the business and all that, but it, you know, you hear these stories and you just, you can't help but think would that have happened had it not sold, you know? And so I feel but there's nothing I can do about it. So at the end of the day, there's nothing I can do about it anyway. Doesn't I wish it weren't that way. It. Right. Doesn't mean you can't feel you know. about it. I mean, like, right. I, yeah. yeah. I think, Steve, uh, cool. Cause I think what you're saying, cause I like, you know, you feel responsible for people's happiness for some weird reason, right? And like, I mean, look at these people. I'm like, God, they were so much happier at our place. You know what I mean? Like, and now it's like, yeah, yeah you, I don't know. I don't know how to articulate it other than that. Yeah. And, and I think one thing that was, it was interesting because, 
that very first year, so 2017 for me, was, and I think 17 for most of, I'm going to call them the leadership team, the folks that reported to me, those folks, the vice presidents of the company, that 17, I think we had all been through a lot over the last two or three years, you know, the back and forth, the whiplash, as you said, and not just from, are we selling and, oh, we did sell or didn't sell and then ESOP, then we sold and all that, but just the six, my succession too, because it put a lot of, I think it put some of that leadership team in kind of a compromised position, which for that, you know, I'm sorry for, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, I can't take all of the blame, but I'll take my own part. And, um, you know, again, of gosh, I wish I would known that, you know, when, when we did it or I would have done it different, but 17, the first year was tough for me personally. I, I mean, I didn't know what to do. I did not know what to do. I felt just like, you're right. I felt like I lost a family member and that one was a tough one. And I think for everybody, they were just trying to get back to business, trying to get to know the new owners, you know, the new CEO and all that sort of thing. So it was kind of a first thing. And then something strange happened is, and it's been good the last year or so I've, you know, folks have kind of sought me out again. Oh, cool. And again, just, just some of those that are in leadership team that, you know, like, okay, maybe, yeah, we had a rough couple of years at the end, but we had it pretty good. And they've said it to me, not me getting it out of them because I've already moved on. Yeah. And so that made me feel, that made me feel good about the decisions that we made and the ESOP and in, in, in the end and all the thank yous I got. I mean, I, I'm telling every employee that sent me an email or a, or a card or whatever when when we did when when we sold out and basically their ESOP accounts got vested. Hundred um, percent within two and a half years, right? <laughs> That's yeah, crazy. not too bad for for putting zero, <laughs> not one penny in. You know, and and I get these stories that you know I'm buying a new house or I'm able to pay off my college debt or I'm able to you know, whatever, do whatever to whatever, you know what I mean? I, it's crazy. Um, or now have retirement savings, you know, mm-hmm. and to get these, I, and not that I'm great. That's the kind of, that's the reason we did it. It wasn't the bickering at the, the very end. The reason we did it and the reason I wanted to do it was for that reason. Mm-hmm. They were, so I responded to every single person I heard, whether it's via phone, all the, you know, all the employees that reached out to me, I don't even know how many there were, a hundred of them or something. So emails, phone calls, cards, I would see some of them, you know what I mean? Just to, mm-hmm. and I, I felt it important for that because that's why I did it. It's unfortunate there was the succession part was maybe not as well thought out or well executed. And that's where I wish we would have done some, some different things. But the very reason of doing the ESOP and then selling was right. Mm-hmm. So I can take that and sleep at night. But it took a while to get there. My wife, I mean, I'm telling you, it was a solid year of me. What the heck did I do? What the hell? You know, why did I do it? What did I do? I put myself through all this for why? You know, and, and, and having self-doubt and all of this. And again, the money's fine and great and dandy, but it's the personal feeling is worth. That's invaluable. How did you, you know the self-worth that? thing? My wife was really good. I mean, because I, I probably was like crying in my beer, you know what I mean, <laughs> over this stuff. And because totally. I felt like, I felt like a, I can't hear him, not top of a mountain, but my own little mountain, you know, when you're in a, mm-hmm. you own a business or you're running a business, there's a lot of 
there's a lot of benefit of feeling important, whether you're important or not, I don't know, but, but at least it makes you feel good and makes you feel like you're making a difference to nothing. And I just felt worthless. And people would be looking at me. And, and I had a lot, I've got great friends and my wife, Diane, and, and they'd listen to me. They would hear me out. You know what I mean? And, and all along, I, even after me saying it for a couple minutes, I'm like, all right. They're like, you live the life that everybody wants to live. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like, you got to retire early. You got to spend time with your kids. You got to now do what you want to do. You know, um, hobbies or go into another business or consult or do it. You know what I mean? All these kind of things. And it kind of basically in a gentle way, gentle way, just kind of slapped me back into, all right, calm down. You know what I mean? You know, mm-hmm. life isn't so bad, you know? But, but, but don't you, um, like, like, you know, I agree with that. And I, and I think it's a process to get there, but like, I think, you know, lots of the people that I've interviewed on the podcast, I mean, there's people that have netted a hundred million dollars that I've interviewed and they have the same thing. And I think what's potentially more isolating than anything is the feeling that, like what you, what, it's real. Like what you went through is really real and it becomes more isolating because the people that you want to have emotional support with are going like, dude, you have so much money now, shut up. But it's like, that, that, that's not an answer. You know what I mean? Like, I still need to like deal with this because I got my like, I soul ripped out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. it, it becomes more lonely, I think. I don't know. Yeah, it, you're right. It's, yeah, it's where I said the money's great, but it's not everything. And, you know, so it, you can't, it's the emotional part that you can't put a, a dollar a value on. And, and you can't predict it either. I mean, I had heard this from our advisors. I'd heard it from Pat, you know, and, and they, they were excellent at pointing it out that you got to retire to something or something, you know, or whatever. <laughs> I probably didn't learn it. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, whatever, you know, it's going to be great. I'm just sick of this. You know, the way the ending of the company went, I was just kind of, I was ground. You know, I was just, I knew we needed to do some major changes. And if we had done major changes at that time, I was stuck in the business for another three to five years. Totally. Yep. And, and, and because you're going to make a big change, it's probably more on the five years or six years. And then what would the business look like? So I had to make that decision. Mm-hmm. Folks, did, it wasn't a popular decision. Um, it was popular. It was interesting, though, Ryan. It was popular when everybody got their checks. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I do. All of, sudden, all of a sudden, like eight people took credit for the decision. And I'm like, um, there's only one person that made that decision. <laughs> and it is not one of you eight. It was, it was not one of, it was not one of you eight. It was, it was, sorry, it was me. I made that decision. So, um, but you know, it was one of the, and that's the kind of thing we kind of dealt with where, again, we weren't maybe as buttoned up on a succession uh, or or a movement um, as we should have been, and that's a shame on us. And I, I wish I would have known that, and or been um, had a stronger stance on it. And but I was trying to do my. It just didn't work that way. But anyway, it it um you just you just move on, and it, it's been nice to be connected to the folks in the business that I really enjoyed and really uh, really loved working with. And you feel appreciated that way, but but you didn't. I, what what bugs me probably the most is I I didn't get like the fanfare. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it would have been nice to have like a retirement party, mm-hmm. or been nice to have you know 
a let's say goodbye to Steve party, you know, because I'm 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 a people person. I like being around the people. And when you sell out, that's not your decision anymore. Isn't it so crazy? And that was their decision. That was your decision, their decision. And I think the new CEO, you know, of the whole company wanted to make it his, which I get, but just didn't really want to go down that road. And I don't know if it was, I, I don't know if he didn't, if he felt threatened or maybe he didn't even think about it. Honestly, he may not have even thought about it. But I thought that was, I wish I could have said goodbye formally to everybody, you know, as opposed to just, you know, some emails here and there or phone calls or I've been in the office, you know, I'll pop in the office every just once some, in a while, but someone to come but in, not and, to yeah. everybody. Like everybody to say, yeah. Hey Steve, we really appreciated everything you did. Like that's at the end of the day, isn't that just what you want is a little bit of a, that's all I wanted. <laughs> that's all I wanted at the end of it, you know, and then, you know, and thank you for everything. And, you know, and especially thank you for the decision. And it's, it was, it was interesting. There was a, an outpouring via email and stuff like that, but it would have been nice to face to face do that too. There was a gal on my uh, podcast and I'll have to send it to you. Her name is Sherry Deutschman. And um, she had a similar, totally similar makeup as you, as far as everything that was important to her and stuff. And she actually teared up on the show. I, it, it, damn near, I mean, damn near. Cause she, literally had the same story and as her new ceo was in there it was kind of like this power struggle that they finally got the 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 role didn't invite her to the first company party <laughs> yeah like, yeah wow and she was I gotta just talk to the, i gotta talk to her uh, man i would have fun i didn't even so the end of the company when we sold the pe firm didn't get an invitation i mean how do you not get an invitation i'm the one that made the decision <laughs> How do you not get an invitation when when you're the one that's going to be gone and everybody else has a job? How do you not get an invitation when you're the one that had the, made the ESOP happen? You got all this money. You didn't even get an invite to the to the to the announcement of the East, you know, to, of the selling out. Here's your ESOP money. Nothing. Never got an invite. I'm like, are you kidding? The check handing and all that stuff. You didn't. No. Oh. And I don't want to make this about yeah. about a bashing thing, but. That's the kind of thing that's emotional for any business owner. Those are things, again, money's great and all, but it's not everything. And money allows you to have some really cool opportunities, but it's not everything. And I've made more money in my life, tens and tens and hundreds of times more money than I ever, ever would have envisioned. I mean, I'm that fortunate. And I thank everybody that's worked with me and, and I've worked with and done all that because it's really everybody pulled together. And that's why the ESOP was right. Again, it's a way to repay. And help. But that was my decision, my sharing, my decision to sell out to the PE firm that got everybody vested in this, in this big chunk of change. And I don't even get invited to it. I'm like, are you kidding me? I, I, so I had to deal with some of that stuff in 17. It was just really like this is childish you know i mean i was just i was so upset i mean that that really was bogus i thought and and what and what was and what's been nice is now after again all of that dust has settled i've had some of those key folks come back to me i don't think the ones that made that decision but but a lot of the other ones i've rekindled and they kind of you know it's been nice to come back and and have some of those relationships but but not all of them. And and they may not all be the same, yeah. you know, and, and they won't be, and, and that's okay. I mean, that, you know, I'm not, 
starving for friends. But I mean, you know, it's just, you just want to be, look, a big reason we were successful is we treated people right. Mm -hmm. We treated people with respect. We treated people the way that they wanted to be treated. We treated people, we didn't oversell. When we, when we said something, we were going to do it. And when I left or when I was leaving, you know, the last year plus, a little over a year, some of these were not delivered in the same manner which I was used to. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel comfortable with it. If you say something, you do it. If it comes out of your mouth, you own it. And so okay. that was, I guess I shouldn't have been surprised, you know, when these things went down and, you know, not even some of the, it was just some of this childish stuff. You know, like uh, website, company website was being redone. And I don't know if this was who, I don't even know who was involved in all this stuff. But anyway, this was after the company was sold and all this. They went through the history. The only piece of history they pulled out was my grandpa. He had nothing to do with the business. My dad had left the business. It was an entirely separate business from my grandpa being involved. He had nothing to do with Harlow HRK. That was my dad and me. And it was just like, are you that clueless or do you just not really, are you trying to dig? You know, and I took it bad and I hate to say that, but I was hurt. You know, I didn't, I didn't go down there and pick it or anything. You just move on. But it's like, (laughs) oh, really? God. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, okay. We we had some success over all these years since uh, 1994. Who was the, who was the one person that was there? I mean, it was me and there was like three other, I don't even know, two other people, three other people and the whole entire company that was there all 25 years or whatever, 20 years. Mm-hmm. So you don't think there was some kind of connection, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. maybe at least luck, you know? Yeah. Uh, anyway, it, that's a tough one for business owners. And they'll they'll, it's, they'll have to wrestle with that, you know? Well, it's interesting, Steve. I uh, As we're wrapping up, I mean, it's a perfect, like, that's why I, titled the podcast life after business. Cause like, I, I wanted to like literally have only episodes about this, but then I found out that there's, <laughs> you know, a handful of people here and there that'll describe it. And I think it's more and more as people are talking about it more. So I ended up having to get, you know, half into the technical stuff to Cause like, then that flushes out like what ends up actually really happening. And this is, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, Oh, and then we finally got to the meat of it. And, but it's like, no, I appreciate you sharing because it is the hardest. That's what you and I connected on the phone. It's like, it's yeah, like hit your financial number, but then like anything above and beyond that, you know, it takes more introspective work to articulate and engineer exactly what you actually want. And it takes time. I mean, it's, it takes a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. And Ryan, I think that was, you know, Pat, our mutual friend there, Pat, he uh, knows me better than maybe anybody. Um, and, and knowing you, it was, it, it was a good fit, you know, for your show because of your podcast, because it, it is, it's the unknown because a lot of people can focus on the numbers or the formulas or whatever it is from a financial standpoint and all that. And, and I, I'm more of the sales and strategy guy than I am with the, with the finance and accounting. That was Pat's role. But, you know, it's the other side that people don't focus on. And I think that's really the unique aspect of what you're doing and how important that is. Because again, the number at the end of the day is the number and the number may be great and all, but you can't, again, you can't buy happiness. You can buy a lot of cool stuff, but you know, or you can, you can do a lot of cool things, 
but you can't buy that happiness or that self-worth. And that's, that's where I, I think it's, it's great of what you're doing, Ryan. And I, I appreciate you having me, having me on. I'm, I'm, uh, it's really pretty cool. That oh, you're this is me, awesome. so. No, I, I have enjoyed it so much, Steve. I like, I, I, I mean it because you, you, you told the, you told the honest journey <laughs> throughout the whole thing. And it's, yeah. it's so sorry. Neat. I didn't mean to go down that. <laughs> I, no. I did say the names. I didn't put the names out there, but <laughs> it's a, well, and we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll wrap it up here in a sec. So the, the one thing that I wanted to say is, um, if you were to, you know, to kind of, to leave the listeners with one thing, if you were to go back and I'm, and I'm curious on how you'd say this, because, you know, you said all these people were telling you these things, you know, to act, mm-hmm go back and if you were to think about yourself five years ago or whenever that was is to pierce through the old you that didn't know what this other side was like what would you say to that other steve um so take me back five years ago and how would i do it different or well because you said you you would all these people talk to you and say like hey think about this retire to something or do the like so if you were to go back oh yeah Cause I think there's so many owners that, you know, hopefully they're listening to the show and they're learning more and more from what we're talking about here. But if you were to leave the listeners mm-hmm. with one thing that would actually pierce through your armor before that actually would wake you up to start thinking about this stuff, what would it be? Oh, uh, okay. Well, hmm. boy, that's a good one. I, I think it's purpose. I think that's where you're, where you're going. I mean, for me, um, so what is, what is your purpose? So the, the one thing about the business or being a, business leader or business owner, especially a business owner or, or executive, you have a purpose, right? You have a, you have, you have a reason for being a reason to get the, the whole reason to get out of bed thing. And that can really drive you to a lot of good things can drive you to some bad things too, but it can drive you into a lot of good, yeah. a good ways. Right. And I would say the biggest thing is that purpose. So be prepared, have a purpose, but have a purpose that's, that's sustaining. Uh, like I have a lot of hobbies and I had a lot of hobbies before. It wasn't like I worked 24 seven. I mean, I worked, I worked a lot, but I also had made time to have fun because I knew having fun made me a better employee and made me a better leader too, you mm-hmm. know, cause you mm-hmm. got to have a balance. Totally. Now, some people's balance is 35 hours a week. Some people's balance is 65 hours a week, whatever that ba- of work that whatever that balance is, it is, you know? So uh, it, there is no steadfast balance. I think the balance depends on every individual in every situation. I would say purpose. So if there's one thing that if there's an underlying purpose in, in whatever uh, he or she business owner does afterward is have that purpose. And then that was, that was kind of along the line of retire to something similar, mm-hmm. but I think a purpose can be not just one thing. So purpose doesn't have to be, all right, I'm going to retire to coach my, you know, four-year-old soccer team which i did by the way and that's that was that that was tough i mean <laughs> i would rather deal with adults than four-year-olds trying to run around their attention spans are like two seconds and they're off water break i'm like water break the game's still going on well can i take a break i'm like but we don't have any subs can i take a break no just no can, we'll take a break in a few minutes but um anyway that was frustrating but fun but have a purpose. So what is it that you, you know, are you a people person or you like being involved with this sort of thing or that sort of thing? You got to keep moving. Cause the one thing about business owners is they're used to being on the move. They're used to making decisions. They're used to being on the fly. They're used to interacting with different sorts of people or situations, any way that you, a person's mind can. And that's where I finally had to get to Ryan. 
yep. is I got to keep my mind moving. Now, I'm not quite there, but I feel better than I did in 2017. 18 was a much big, better year. 19 is even better. You know, so how do you fill that time and how do you keep your mind moving? Because that was fun. Mm-hmm. And that's why a lot of the people, the entrepreneurs do it. The, the, business, the CEOs or business leaders do it is it keeps them moving, keeps their mind moving, keeps them energetic. So whatever it is as a purpose, yep. that right. is the key. I so, agree. You know, it could be anything. It could be really literally anything, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it just has to be, you know, you have to be that. So I don't know if that answered your question no, or not, but it, it was an it answer. Did. I think it's been just an absolute blast having you show. If the, if the listeners want to reach out and want to, you know, ask you questions about what the life after is like and how to process this, uh, I don't know if you want to give out any contact information or just uh, wish everybody good luck. I mean, what, you feel free to give an email or LinkedIn or whatever it might be. Yeah, I, um, I think you'll post something and then people are welcome to, I'm on LinkedIn and uh, also my email. I think I'll give, give that to you, Ryan, and then you'll be able to, Perfect. people can get it. It's Steve, Steve Harlemer at hotmail.com. I would love to. It's fun. Um, it keeps me, it, speaking of keeping your mind moving, it keeps your mind moving. And if there's any way that my experiences can, you know, either add and people can, can learn from in either positive or negative way. Great. You know? And um, so yeah, bring it on. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Appreciate it, Ryan. If you're still sticking in there and you heard the entire episode, I hope to the bottom of my heart that you got insight of what it's like to go through the entire journey of growing and selling a company from Steve's lens before you actually pull the ripcord and sell your business because it is time now to think about what do you want, what's important, is it a combination of money, legacy, what exit is going to line up with that, how do you fill in your financial targets, there's just so many things to think about so that way you can focus on what's really important to you inside, whether it's trying to find your passion, trying to find your legacy, how do you be fulfilled because there's so many ways to structure the potential growth and sell of your sale of your business that you just need to think about it. And hopefully you learned a little bit about yourself through this episode with Steve. So if there's any requests that I have, if you enjoyed it, go on to iTunes, please give me a rating. I know it's a pain in the ass, but it's how I get good people like Steve on the show. And with that being said, I will see you next week.